pretty hair. Episode 3 of the And Why Not Summer of Action Specials 2022. The summer of special episodes from the movie podcast from the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine, and each episode for this 10-part series, I'm joined by a guest to talk about an 80s or 90s action movie carefully selected from the long list the guests had to pick from. So far, we've talked about Lethal Weapon and Beverly Hills Cop, and still to come, we'll be discussing, in no particular order, Commando, Taffin, Last Action Hero, Out for Justice, and the Nick Cage Holy Trinity of Con Air, Face Off, and The Rock. For this episode, though, I'm joined by Dan Butcher as we head back to 1986 to discuss the Stallone action thriller, Cobra. I hope you enjoyed the film talk, and as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials and in the And Why Not Facebook group, or wherever you see this episode posted. And for now, with an advance warning on spoilers, and all that introduction stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer for Cobra. Society is breeding a new kind of criminal. It's also breeding a new kind of cop. Meet Cobra. He does the job nobody wants. Did you use unnecessary deadly force? everything I had. Do you know you have an attitude problem? Yeah, but it's just a little one. You think you would recognize me if you saw him again? The tall one? Yeah. The one that wants to kill you. Do what you have to do to get a lead on this maniac. And if I find him? Do what you do best. Hello, Dan. How are you? Hello. I'm good. How are you, sir? I'm good. Ticking over and carrying on, you know, best we can do at the moment. How's yes. uh, post-COVID life for you? Uh, it's not going too bad, really. Doing the three days working from home, two days in the office. I can get to the gym in the morning. Uh, it's, I'm loving the work, ho- uh, work home life split. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't do this years ago. I know. It's like... <laughs> Denmark have been doing it for years, I think, and everybody says how great it is. But I think it's that... one of those things we was on course for it, but the uh, the lockdowns accelerated it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think part of the thing is that your boss never trusts you at home, do they? Unless you got a decent boss. <laughs> I know some people had their yeah. boss ringing up every ten minutes. Are you working? Oh, yeah. that's nice. We uh, we have like a couple of meetings a day, and then like one in the afternoon is usually like everyone's doing okay. You know what you're doing? It's like yeah, okay. Speak to you tomorrow. It's like well know the job and it's really evident if you're not doing it or not yeah so. <laughs> well that's no, like the wife because she works from home a couple of days a week and it's kind of like you've done way more than your hours she's like yeah i know but might as well just get it done though <laughs> yeah I, I i start early and not finish a bit earlier because 
like I'm up at crack of dawn, so like to sit around till like half past nine when it's supposed to start, I had to say to the team, I'll start at half eight and finish an hour early. Yeah, I remember when I used to have a job that started at like 10, 11 in the morning, it's just sitting around waiting for your day to get going. Can't yeah, stand yeah. it. Because again, I'm quite an early riser, especially now. <laughs> Some about having kids one, just kicks that in for you, doesn't it? <laughs> one knockback is like uh, where I used to commute and draw on the train. I find that I'm not drawing as much, which is yeah. really bad. You thought you would get more time drawing because you're at home all the time, but there's like a million and one things to be doing around the house, like all the time. So you don't yeah. get like two hours a day for me, like hour commute in, hour commute back. Yeah, it's I difficult have... to sort of tuck yourself away and be like, no, this is my commute time. Like, exactly, yeah. Get the school <laughs> lunch ready. Because <laughs> when you're on the train, well, when I'm on the train drawing, I've got no distractions apart from someone saying, oh, can you move along or whatever. But uh, at home, you can't just sit there and do something as as you probably well know you get distracted by this that, and the other yeah when i stopped taking the bus I, my reading dropped right off for ages yeah it's, just because it was such an easy time to just read <laughs> but i've got a, my pile of books is growing but I'm actually getting around to reading them so i i, I need like a decent long-term injury or something nothing serious <laughs> just something that takes me out that i can have my wife love boxes of comics and books up to me <laughs> I read a great one recently, I can't remember the title of it, but there's these two authors and they basically broke down uh, science that you'd find in the films. Like All right. Uh, Ex Machina and like uh, days later and they'd look at the science behind, could this possibly happen? And it was like, oh, okay, this was fascinating. I didn't read all the chapters because some of them were like films that I don't really, not really interested in that. But like when it had Jurassic Park, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm all over this. Yeah, no, that's, that's a bit like how I read those books. It's like I've got no interest in that film. Ooh. <laughs> but, but on on to uh, tonight's film. On on to tonight's film, and possibly we can get into the science of this film as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, this time we're talking about uh, Cobra, the um, Stallone mid '80s classic, uh, written by Sylvester Stallone, based on the novel Fair Game by Paula Goslin, uh, directed by George P. Cosmatos, uh, starring Sylvester Stallone, Bridget Nielsen, and Rene Santoni. Um, released in the cinemas on the 23rd of May 1986 in the US and the 1st of August 1986 over here. Grossed 49 million, um, 42, 240, $224 uh, dollars worldwide on an estimated budget of 25 million. So did pretty well. Mm. Um, featured on episode 49 of How Did This of the How Did This Get Made podcast. Um, I couldn't find a written review by Roger Ebert or Barry Norman, but on the Siskel and Ebert show, both of them gave the films thumb down. Uh, saying that oh, okay. it went downhill after the opening scene and became uh, repetitive and boring, which is the general gist of their review. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah um, I mean, we sort of, before we started recording, sort of talked about it a little bit, but um, it, this does feel like a film that's like got a good two-hour movie in it, but has been cut down. Yeah, ruthlessly cut down. I think they, they purposely cut out like all the, the X-rated stuff. Yeah. Um, shame. The stuff I could find was that um, the studio got nervous about the gore and the killings, so they had those scenes cut down. Because there's some weird cuts in those, like those yeah. Ferrati slow-mo and that. And um, Stallone wanted it to be cut down to about 90 minutes, because Top Gun was coming out the week after, and he wanted it to get in as many screenings as possible. Yeah, fair play. I mean, they could have cut down a lot of this film. The, the, the cut that I've seen, the kind of the, the general release, add in more gore, but just cut down a lot of the erroneous stuff. It's like, this is this baggy, you don't don't need this uh but I, I guess you can only do so much with the material you've got yeah 
I, I mean, there's a whole subplot with the slashers that sort of showed their motive beyond the like, we killed the weak. Yeah, they're kind of pretty much motiveless in some regards. It's like, well, it's really vague what they're up to. But I was yeah. reading there's actually a work print, a very rough work print out that's got like an extra 20 minutes in it that can be found circulating online. So I think I might see if I can go about tracking that down. Yeah, it'd be cool to see. Yeah, I only found that out today. So I was like, oh, okay. I didn't realise that. It's the kind of thing you think still own a re-release, especially if you want to generate interest in a sequel. Yeah. I mean, we'll come on to sequels later, but... Apparently yeah, he did he's... a stunt where he, he posed in front of the car, uh, like, hinting at a, rele- a re-release or uh, a sequel, and, like, fans went nuts over it on Instagram, because the car we used in the film is Stallone's own car. Yeah. And I think it, it pops up. He uses it again when he's, like, uh, Barney Ross in The Expendables. It's the same vehicle. Uh, I haven't seen the Expendables for years. That one's all right. The second, third one. Yeah, I quite like the second one was shit. I quite like the third one, but yeah, I mean, it just trying to find this film to buy new on Blu-ray was impossible. I had to buy a whole Stallone box set, which was fine because it had Demolition Man in it as well and Tango and Cash. So it actually worked out better value to buy that. But but yeah, it's not. It's, it's been deleted to buy by itself, which makes you uh, think maybe there's something. On maybe the horizon, maybe. Yeah, potentially. I mean, they do do this kind of thing, like it's almost like a uh, uh, not a tsunami. You know, where like the the tide goes out on the beach, yeah. then like floods back in. It's usually and they're prepping it for like something's going to happen. It doesn't always pan out that way, but when it's like, oh, I can't get hold of this anymore, and you can't get hold of that for some reason, then like, oh, look, here's a re-release, and we're doing a re-spin or reimagine it. That's it. It's COVID so, next generation. Say <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll come on to sequels and potential ideas later on. But um, sort of before we get into the actual, you know, having seen the film thing, when did you first see the film? Was it? Uh... I tell you, what, it wasn't anywhere near the time of release because uh, when it came out, eighty-six. Eighty-six. I yeah. I would have been about eight, nine years old. And I do remember being out on a, a day out with like my mum and her friends and their kids going to London and it was on like a billboard and like the, the classic Stallone where he's got the gun like primary disease and I was bloody hell it kind of That's such back. a great tagline yeah great uh Chief Wiggum riffs on it doesn't he in the yeah movie. did he say like crime is a cancer and I'm the cure and then he That's said it. to Lou and says Lou what what cures cancer <laughs> <laughs> but then I think like one of my friends had it on uh another this will age me again uh, had the game on Spectrum, the Cobra game that was this essentially a side-scrolling shoot 'em up, and you collected bit of, bits of that machine gun and then shot them all to pieces. And that's pretty much all I've kind of recall of it before seeing the film, like years later. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember because obviously I was sort of it'd be the '90s for me when I sort mm. of started watching films like that, Commando, Predator, and that. This one never seemed to be on TV much. Not to the point where I ever saw it. I didn't see it until after I'd listened to the How Did This Get Made podcast. Right. And then I rewatched it. So I possibly had seen it before, but I didn't remember it. Um, which, around the time of Demolition Man, I was on a bit of a Stallone kick. But then I've never been a massive Stallone fan. Fair enough. Yeah, I always kind of went for Arnie over Stallone. Yeah, there's films of his that I like, but yeah. unlike Stallone, where I'm like, um, Schwarzenegger, where I'm like, oh, Arnie's in this, I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, Stallone's kind of like, like I'm not a massive Rocky fan. I don't know no, I'm not. Pieces of work. 
I've uh, upset Andy many times by being like, I just don't really get the appeal of Rocky. And I love a sports movie. I'm not a yeah. big sports guy, but I love a sports movie and I love an underdog, underdog movie. Oh, and Rambo it's, excellent. And this uses the same typeface. Cobra uses the same typeface. Yeah. Which is, like, is it in the same universe? Perhaps they're, they're kind of long lost relatives. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, all of this stemmed from him being involved in Beverly Hills Cop. Because I think at one point he wanted to change that character's name to Axel Cobaretti. And I think he took all those ideas across and then put it into Cobra. Um, there's yeah, an so alleged... Like Stallone in Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, we talked about Beverly Hills Cop the other day. I just... I can't imagine... It's one of those films, once you've seen Eddie Murphy in it, you can't imagine any different take yeah. on it with a different actor. Um, but yeah, I think he just his ideas were so off the chain for what they wanted Beverly Hills Cop to be. They were just kind of like, you, you go do that over there. <laughs> yeah, you'd be fine over there. We'll do it this afternoon over here. Which he did. I mean, the whole, it based on the novel Fair Game, it's got very little in common with the novel. I've not read the novel, but I've read the synopsis. And I know that when they remade or readapted Fair Game in 95 with Billy Baldwin and Cindy Crawford, that was more faithful to the book. But allegedly Stallone asked for the novel Fair Game to be reprinted with his name on it instead of Paula Goslin's. Uh, I've read a couple of things about Stallone during the production of this film and he comes across as a right prick. I yeah, I mean, this is height of Stallone. So I can imagine his ego was going and it's the 80s. So, yeah, I can't imagine any coked up exec was reining him in. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you want to do what? Yeah, do that. It's like you want a nice think... license plate that says awesome water. <laughs> <laughs> I think it kind of essentially he was directing the film with the other guy kind of. Yeah, because um, I think that's how it went, because he carried George P. Cosmosos off from um, First Blood Part 2. Right. Because um, he also recommended him to Kurt Russell when they needed a new director on Tombstone. Because uh, he basically told Kurt Russell, look, get this guy in. Because I think the thing is, the Stallone was giving him the shot list the night before of what he wanted. So he could concentrate on acting on set, but essentially ghost direct the film which is kind of what Kurt Russell did on yeah, Tombstone. He did the same thing, didn't he? Although I think he got more involved on Tombstone in the end. Yeah. I think. That was a fantastic film. Great film. Yeah, it's a great film. Yeah. Um, shit show of production, I think. But <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. They're, like I think that film, that podcast or YouTube channel you mentioned about like uh, this film was a nightmare to make or whatever it was. I've watched a couple of those and they've shown behind the scenes. And it's like, man, how did this get made? This is a real battle across the line and it feels like this that's where kind of true art and film is made with these kind of all these desperate disparate characters come together and there's a conflict and out of it arises something fantastic rather than this kind of like corporate shite where the director is told what to do by the, the big wigs and if he doesn't do he or she doesn't do what they're told just get fired and they bring someone else in who will yeah i mean that's what happened on tombstone before they brought in <laughs> Yeah. the replacement director but i mean i i kind of miss that in films where they're just like yeah just fucking go nuts <laughs> yeah i mean i'm really like, i'll be at the cocaine table <laughs> yeah it's like kind of 80s i know it's kind of easy to sort of roll your eyes and laugh at the, oh, the cinema of the 80s it was very creatively for me at least uh, i see it as very free and full of expression people can make nuts science fiction films action films anything you want because get it up on the screen whereas uh, nowadays it's kind of everything's got fucking training wheels on yeah it's either pre-attached to a franchise or yeah it's just 
like I said, I mean, because this was quite expensive budget-wise for action movie in the 80s as well. It's 25 million because it was canon, and then they brought Warner Brothers in as well because it was too much for them. Yeah. Uh, canon being notoriously great with money. Yeah, I mean, they're 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 a story in themselves, aren't they, Canon? There's a great documentary about Canon. <laughs> just there's a a showreel of like Canon projects on YouTube where they basically it's just a massive pitch reel of like this actor is playing this this character and they've got to do this like there's one every like 30 seconds to a minute and they show that to investors and the investor says oh I quite like that one and then they'll say right okay and then they go about the, the process of putting that together they've got nothing more than that pitch idea so, yeah it's insane and then they were taking yeah. money from one production and putting it into others because yeah. i think that's what happened with masters of the universe and superman 4 yeah and it's that... totally ran out of money yeah. <laughs> hence why the end fight happens in darkness it's like in two like strobe lights and the two characters <laughs> which is unreal because when you look at the, the sets at the start they've got their entire throne room it's like man this would have been an awesome final battle scene but obviously they ran out of money so they couldn't do it yeah. but but yeah i mean i don't think they ran out of money on this one unfortunately yeah. and even if it does slightly go off the rails at the end but i mean you've got to love an action movie that starts with statistics yeah that, that whole thing like he's got that really gravelly voice and i was reading that because cobra has that affectation of having the matchstick he, he choked on it stallone and then he had to he did that voiceover that's why he's extra gravelly <laughs> He's, yeah, he comes up with some horrific statistics. It's like what happens in is it? It's set in LA, isn't it? Yeah, LA at Christmas. Yeah. That's weird because he's like there's a moment where he's in his apartment cleaning his gun. And there's a Toys R Us Christmas advert, and it's like outside is. Like, I know it's saying like the product placement in this film is mental. You've got the whole yeah. Pepsi and Coors thing in the store. Yeah. Coca Cola's featured prominently later on when they're on the road. Yeah. It's like, whole, it starts off, doesn't it, with like a hostage situation scenario in there. Yeah, with the guy weirdly repeatedly cocking his gun for no reason and um, just shooting at groceries. Yeah. And, he's and a shopping trolley that seems stuff. to explode for no good reason. Yeah. <laughs> Stallone does do that thing when he's like, oh, I'm going to blow this whole place up. He goes, go for it. I don't shop here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dirtbag. You're a lousy shot. Relax, amigo. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. I don't want to talk to you. Now you bring in the television cameras in here now. Come on, bring it in. Can't do that. Why? I don't deal with psychos. I put them away. I ain't no psycho, man. I'm a hero. You're looking at a fucking hunter. I'm a hero of the new world. Disease, and I'm the cure. There's a, like you said, the kind of that 
initial scene's great because there's a bit where uh, he comes out behind him and like out of a freezer or a fridge yeah. in this like this white light with like this mist and fog coming out behind him. And the the shot composition is absolutely lovely. It's like it, it's almost like he's an angelic figure. Yeah. Uh, really. And like I said, it kind of loses it a bit later on in the film where it just like becomes a, a by the book uh, action 80s kind of people getting shot up and stuff. Yeah, because it's got quite, I mean, I'm not a big Jalo fan, but it's got that sort of, when Jalo did thrillers, yeah, rather than the straight out horror ones, it's got that sort of look and feel. Obviously, some really odd moments, like yeah. Stallone in his apartment and the whole thing with the guy who rips his shirt. Yeah, that's really odd. Uh, Which I didn't realise till last time I watched it. He's wearing a wire. I'd never noticed it. Oh, I didn't notice that. Because I was like, why the, the fuck guy does with he the rip shirt? his shirt? Yeah, and he rips it. When you can see he's got a wire, I don't know whether that's him mic'd for sound for the film. Or he's, or whether he's wearing know. a wire. But it makes you wonder, did Sloan, did uh, Cobra know he's wired? Because he's on a... Why would he do that? Yeah. What the fuck's that about? It's just he's a weird like, thing to do as well. <laughs> That whole thing, like he, 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 after that first thing, he drives off to with his muscle car, pushes those out, gears out of the way, goes up to the apartment, and then he does, which is almost classic. Now he cuts the pizza with the scissors. Which I'm guessing, if he perhaps that's because he choked on a matchstick and he just needs smaller maybe, slices yeah. of pizza. It's weird. <laughs> I thought maybe like, oh, it's the the, the other end moldy, but no, nope, no, it. it's just a weird choice. <laughs> yeah, and then he's got the the gun cleaning kit in a empty bottle of like eggs. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those quirks for the sake of a quirk i think it's just yeah and, and like that apartment he's got is literally like on the beachfront that with a massive pepsi sign behind it that'd be millions yeah that you wouldn't be able to buy that in no cops uh like what he is a detective's wages i'm sure just it wouldn't it wouldn't spring for it it's the whole miami vice thing isn't it it's like, how are you affording all this shit don johnson <laughs> He's like an inspiration for uh, my character out of uh, Viper. Yeah. Sloaned by Prini as opposed to Cobretti. Yes. But he's got a nice little thing with his name when he sort of says Marion. Yeah. Like the Bridget Nielsen's character talking. And then he says, oh, I wanted something a bit more macho. A bit tough. She has like, what? And he went like, is it Alice? <laughs> actually generally made me laugh. Because <laughs> that's a John Wayne nod, isn't it? Because obviously John Wayne's real name was Marion. Yeah. It's... So because that, that's the last line of the film it's just Marion is like hell of a name isn't it it's <laughs> a weird way to end this movie as you ride off on a motorbike you've clearly stolen yeah very odd very odd but, but like I say this film's full of absolutely mental things like I say the notorious using scissors to cut pizza mm, yeah uh, whilst cleaning your gun yeah um, the investigation slash modeling shoot slash night slashers montage is absolutely bizarre. This film's got a really weird soundtrack, <laughs> even by yeah. 80s standards. It's all over the place. There's the whole thing, like uh, the Bridget Nielsen. So, like, a, uh, should we give an overview to anyone who has never ever seen yeah. Cobra? Yeah, Cobra I mean, I'm, I'm hoping they are because we're going to spoil the shit out of it. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it starts off with kind of like a positive situation in uh, the store. We get introduced to Marion Cobretti. Was the hostage uh, scenario, and he's like really over the top, really violent, and all the police 
police chief hates him for it. Uh, that trope. And then uh, there's a, a, a serial killer going around the, the city, which they only thinks one, but it's actually a group of them. He's led by the, the night slasher. They're just randomly killing people, stabbing people. And uh, by chance, Bridget Nielsen's character, who's a uh, model, sees him uh, after he's committed one of these murders. And the rest of the film is Night Slasher and his people going after Bridget Nielsen's character, uh, Cabretti and his partner, which I can't remember his name now. Uh, Gonzalez. Gonzalez, they, they try and keep her safe. And essentially, just like, it makes me laugh when they said, oh, they, they were going after you because they know what you look like. It's like you're having a running gun battle through the streets of LA. Everyone knows what you look like. <laughs> this, the, the, <laughs> that whole thing of trying to get her because she can identify him. Yeah. It's just <laughs> kind of just goes out the window almost immediately. Like I'm driving down the road and you're shooting a machine gun at me. Well, that's weird because that chase starts with them chasing him and then he starts chasing them. It's like you've yeah. got your witness in the car. It's like, yeah. get the fuck away. Don't <laughs> looking for trouble. Especially if he crashes and they had a prime chance to kill him. Yeah, they're kind of like smashing each other. Like they're driving like neck and neck down the alley, smashing into each other. It's like they've only got to look over and they can shoot your witness. <laughs> it's, uh, it's crazy. But yeah, that kind of that whole sequence where uh, Bridget Nielsen's I can't remember her bloody name. Yeah. Uh, Ingrid. Ingrid, she goes, she's a model and she's on a, a really bizarre shoot in front of these kind of like 1950s style robots and yes, it, with the guy who played sledgehammer taking the photos yeah and it cuts him basically like walking into a, her car just basically going on how much he wants to have sex with her yeah, he goes full harvey weinstein on it doesn't he yeah like a me too moment he's like basically if you do this so i'd be you, mental not to want to sleep with you it's like yeah. ew <laughs> she's like look can you leave it and it's like okay we're gonna have an end of this now nope carries on it's on and on and on i'll come asleep uh the 80s when no didn't yeah. mean no apparently <laughs> Yeah, it's like I'm not sure if that's kind of set up purposely like that to sort of like show the the Marin Cabretti is like quite a sensitive soul and he's just like you know I'm quite chill and quite I'm a bit of a dude compared to like losers like that geezer. Yeah, was it written? I, I don't know. I can't peer into the mind of the, the people that give it like that. But in contrast, he's quite a kind of laid back, a, a nice kind of guy. Yeah, like, I, I, I mean, you're kind, of, you're kind of glad when the photographer gets it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's just like maybe they do that because sometimes if if an innocent person gets killed, but they've got no problem showing that in other parts of the film. Loads well, yeah, because multiple people die, admittedly cut down, but what was supposed to be, I mean, even the photographer's death was supposed to be longer. He was supposed to like slip in his own blood and then a group of them were going to axe him while he was on the floor. I think it made for a lot more lasting film if they'd have had it, the gore in it because it ends up being very similar to any other fair of the 80s yeah i mean i don't even think they needed to go that gory you could have easily done it more suggested than what you actually see it's like reservoir dogs everybody says that's really gory but what you actually see and what your brain fills in yeah you're right yeah it's, that there were ways around it but it was by the car and they all kind of like went axing in but you don't actually you see it from behind the car yeah you don't need to see the body getting chopped up, but just kind of the, the, the imagery or the visual. That's it. It's, it's enough to see her naked on a morgue table later in that classic 80s cliche. Well, yeah. and 90s and beyond, to be fair. <laughs> it's like, at least they had her face down. 
And the, the, as we said, there's one real stomach turning sequence, and that's later on. It's about two thirds, near right near the end. There's uh, Bridget Nielsen's character Ingrid, and she's got like a, a basket of fries, and she puts on about two thirds of those squirty bottles. Yeah. And it's like fucking hell. That was me, and I had any semblance of attraction for that woman that had been killed right then. That I can't do this. Sorry. Well, it's weird, given that they were like, you know, I don't know if they were married at that point or it was before they became married, but they've got zero chemistry in this film. Yeah, absolutely zero chemistry. There's nothing, nothing between them. It's it's really odd. It's, yeah, zero Just chemistry. The, the weird attempts at cute moments like the that whole thing with the giant hamburger when she's yeah. drowning her fries in sauce. It's like, what the fuck is that? That's a weird... Yeah, it's just like it was a prop. Like it was literally there in the restaurant. They were shooting it. That's it. It feels like an outtake. They were setting up the shot, and they just happened to have the camera running. Yeah, and but like you're they're, you're being hunted like by this satan- sort of a satanic cult kind of thing, and it's like oh yes, yeah, laugh in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking odd. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very very bizarre one. But like I uh, really like the fact that he's virtually got his shades on for the entire film. Yeah. <laughs> Everything he's doing, he's doing with like the kind of the, the mirror. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a strong look. <laughs> it's the scene in the hospital as well. One, that police sketch of the night slasher. Oh, mate. That's terrible. That's. I mean, you have to Google that if you kind of listen to this and wonder. Yeah, I'll, um, I sent you the picture when I was rewatching yeah. it. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, and the fact that. they're eating our hospital food. Yeah. It's just <laughs> nothing about those two makes me think I'm going to be safe with these two. <laughs> no, there's a couple of jokers. It's just and they're, they're part of the zombie squad, but there's only two of them. And it was named after part of a Belgian police force thing where they go out late at night and take on criminals. But yeah, uh, very odd. Yeah, as they don't seem to have much detective work in them. Like I think at one point, uh, Cabretti says, oh, "I'm going to go back." Like check my files. That's it. I'm gonna go and go back to his place and check his files. It's like what? Why have you got files like that at home with just what? Just mental people and criminals. You just like scan through photos and bits of paper. It's like they were like, we didn't want him to be slacking off, but we also need a reason to get him and Gonzalez apart so we can have that whole yeah. confusion when he gets called back to yeah. the office. Well, but, that, that could have been a little bit better thought out. Yeah, it's just such a, like you know he was down in the records room or something. And I don't know where the police keep all their files, but whatever. For the sake of this film, it made more. I mean, this is a film where the captain's office is directly opposite the shooting range. <laughs> you could have said, like, oh, we've got a suspect. We might be them. Yeah. Has to go down there and it's like a woman or completely different. It's like, oh, no, I ain't them. But it does open the door for the uh, night slasher just having dyed his hair, being able to wander into the hospital. Yeah. Nobody having a clue. Managing to find a janitor who's like, a good foot shorter than him and get his clothes to fit. Yeah, what kills him, I think, like, stabs him, whatever, and then gets yeah. his uniform completely unblemished at all, and then goes up in the lift and uh, he gets told off by a nurse. For using the goes goes on a mini murdering spree and has this weird thing where he goes into Bridget Nielsen's room and does pretty hair. It's like, oh, yeah. what the fuck is that? <laughs> but that person will be able to operate in society. He seems like he's kind of had, he's like a psychopath who's had some kind of like mental break. Just yeah, because I kind of get the feeling the cops, the leader. Yes, she very much comes of... across as, and I don't know whether that's developed more in the stuff that was cut out, 
Potentially, yeah. I mean, because she seems to be directing him and saying you should be doing like do this, and they're doing they're trying to stop the new world order, whatever it is. And it, he just seems to be kind of going off on one. He's not, to be fair, he's not a very menacing or kind of well developed bad guy. If you like for an antagonist, he's usually kind of like in these things the the antagonist and the hero are like a diametrically opposed. They've got yeah. The good guy likes the color red, and the bad guy fucking hates the color red. You know what yeah. I mean? in this it's just like he just kills people for reasons just for fun it's just... yeah she has ample opportunity to kill her as well yeah it, i know it'd blow her cover but if it's more about the calls than the uh murdering yeah well she's sort of saying like i want you to kill her or something so what is why don't you just kill her <laughs> multiple times you could have done it when you were alone with her yeah but like, like she's, said, she's not even up. she's not even casual about being fucking a blatant <laughs> yeah like so oh, i wonder who's working with the bad guys and like telling like an inside person telling them every game well well there's only you there's marion cabretti ingrid his best mate which have gonzalez and then the woman who keeps on going off every couple of minutes to make phone calls and then keeps looking at them shiftily so i think my money's on her i reckon she's and then when Blase Monty is about the idea of there being a mole in the police department as well, where he's just like, sure, case is your problem. Yeah. Like, That's not how police work works. Remember you just reaming me out like not 30 seconds ago for having like this driving gun battle around the streets of LA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very fast and loose with the kind of like uh, the real world <laughs> how police work. Let's see. He's got that great line as well about um, where he tells Bridget Nielsen they won't get you. She's like, how do you know? He's like, well, you've got to have faith. He's like, what? what? Yeah. And, and she buys that. Maybe that that works. Maybe that reads a little better on paper, but that's just like, what? That doesn't, not insightful or clever or anything. That was... <laughs> and you've got that weird bit with the bubble head as well. Like Stallone's yeah. never seen a bubble head before or something. And he's sort of like, because you have to, there, there was stuff cut out of this film and then stuff left in in that moment he, he's they're on a kind of like pit stop aren't they between going from the safe house near the end of the film and they're just doing this bit for larks whatever and he's looking at this stool doesn't he and there's a big bubble head there and he kind of flicks it and says oh like no sale but like you said the hot iron yeah like what what decision was there to leave that in but take other stuff out which presumably might make the film a little better i don't know because it doesn't give the impression that you know their two characters, for want of a better term, fallen in love kind of thing, in the way that they do in these films. Um, whereas if there was a sequel, she'd have been gone straight away. Uh, but Because, yeah. I mean, they eventually sleep together after he's, he's, he's like noisily putting all his guns together and he's like, can't you sleep? Like, well, no. <laughs> People are trying to kill me and you're slamming magazines into guns. Yeah, you keep on loading them cleaning and reloading guns so there's little off put anywhere in some shitty motel it's not sort of like high up on a girl's list but oh maybe it is maybe ingrid really like that kind of shit well i mean she encourages him to put the guns down and come over and sleep with her so i guess it it worked but i think cabaret was really torn in that moment <laughs> there's an extended scene where he kind of keeps looking to the bed in the back of the gun looking at her at the gun then that goes on for several minutes well, the guns will still be here when we get back. That's it. <laughs> Thirty seconds okay. later, back at the guns. <laughs> but that's it. And then you know, inevitably, 
the morning after the gang shows up because why strike at night yeah when they're asleep and like they don't do it like oh this this when they walk around the corner like the gang's there already and loaded up and start immediately firing at them they sort of pull up in full view and the the police woman who's the undercover the gang is kind of like pointing at them saying look, look they're over there it's like what like, this is the, the, the worst like ambush ever because there's that whole thing of you see a little bit of it of them like going through the town and taking out the local police and that which apparently again that was meant to be more extended of them going around the town taking people out right okay it makes sense because like no one goes to their aid essentially yeah but it just feels like a weird little random bit put in you know focus on the prize here guys yeah you don't really need like if you're gonna if you're not gonna have them going around killing people don't need to show any of it to show them rocking up and suddenly a gunfight's kicking off with uh, uh, Cobra, the British. That's it, because they're pretty much in the middle of nowhere, so and there's no scene of them going call for backup or anything, so it's just, I'm sorry, and then he like waste grenades on single bikers, which yeah, that, that gang really needed to coordinate their plan. Yeah, rather than just driving at him one at a time. Like so. I, I know it's the movie trope, but <laughs> it's just a little coordination, lads, you could have had them. <laughs> Does it, his uh, mate Gonzalez gets shot in the leg, and I can't remember. You see him again at the end, but essentially, yeah. him out for the action for the rest of it. Yeah, it's that weird thing where you think he must be dead, and then they do a G.I. Joe the movie. It's like, and Duke's suddenly come out of his coma. It's like, no, I'm yeah. pretty sure Duke was dead. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they wanted him for a potential sequel. But... Yeah, employee feedback, well, audience feedback said uh, they hated Optimus Prime dying, so you're coming back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Transformers connection, they uh, you got the touch was originally yeah. written for this film. Yeah, That's but they, they didn't want eight. it. Can you imagine if that song was in this film though? It would have just been lost to the annals of time. And if I had the, uh, the the ability, I would love to strip out that bit, the whole action sequence at the end, and then just keep the sound bits in, but redub it with "You Got the Touch." That'd be amazing. That'd be fucking amazing. Just too, as I'm he big. shoots the guy in the skylight, that's when the music kicks in. Yeah. It is great. <laughs> I'll see if I can go about doing that. I'll look up on, on Premiere how to strip out uh, music from a, a film clip, and I'll, I'll try and see if I can do that. That'd be fun. I would watch that. Probably get copyright strike. But... Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, it's better than half the music that end up. And it strikes me as odd that that film, which admittedly. I'm possibly looking through rose-tinted nostalgia of my love of it in Transformers the movie, but compared to the other songs they've got in the film, yeah, the touch seems like—I mean, the touch feels like it would have been slightly out of place in the film as well, to be fair. But certainly a better choice than what they got. Yeah, I think that this really, but there's lots of film stuff about the film is quite strong, but I think the uh, music really doesn't really stand out. I can't yeah. recall. It's got a weird Ed, end credit song as well. It sounds like Pound Shop Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, they always seem to do that. Like, the, like in the, the end of those the eighties action films, some sort of yeah, ballady, rocky kind of thing. That's sort of like if we stick together, it will be all right. <laughs> um, yeah. Then they, you know, after the chase, they end up in that. Ah, uh, what's it called? Is it like what do they call this? Of... Yeah, which has got weird, like you know, barrels of petrol or chemicals or kicking around and there's like chains hanging down weird naked fires just going off all over the place so it's and that's yeah. where the 
Night Stalker ends up becoming a cropper, doesn't he? Yeah, and uh, Cobra's match finally comes into play as well. Yes. He tells the guy he's got the right to remain silent and then sets fire to him. <laughs> Which again, it's like, you know, he did some proper sort of police work. He kind of read the guy's rights before he set him on fire. So. I'm not sure if that makes it more illegal or less. I'm not, yeah. It's probably best not to question. If you set someone on fire before you read the random rights or after, which one would be worse? I'd love to. That should be the sequel, just that trial. Yeah. It's like, well, I read him his rights, mostly. Like, but then you set him on fire. Like, well, you know, maybe he set himself on fire. <laughs> we were at a place where there was like this fire blazing around all, all around us. And he, he had been trying to kill me for the last two hours. <laughs> we are the hunters. We kill the weak so the strong survive. You can't stop the new world. Your filthy society will never get rid of people like us. It's breeding them. We are the future. No. Your history. You won't do it, pig. You won't shoot. Murder is against the law. You have to take me in. If you can. Even I have rights. Don't I? Pig. Take me in. They'll say I'm insane. Won't they? The court is civilized, isn't it? Pig. But I'm not. This is where the law stops. And I start. It's like, why does Slasher Cop not shoot at Ingrid when she shoots the security guard? Yeah, I mean, like, the Slasher Cop could literally just, when they're sitting there having the french fries, just pull out a revolver and just shoot both of them. So even if she didn't want to kill her, she could have at least, like, you know, clipped her or something, shot her yeah. in the leg, blown her knee out. And wait for the other guys to stab him. That's it. Just be like, there you go. Have that. <laughs> that knife, I mean, like, I think that knife was supposed to be really intimidating, but it looks really hairy, fairy. It's kind of curved and it's got like a really small base that kind of flares out. Yeah, with all the spikes on it, isn't it? It's, yeah. It looks like a knife designed by a committee of, like, you know, what would freak you out? It's like, yeah. well, the gloves from Rollerball. It's like, yeah. okay. <laughs> like, you, I don't know if you, if you ever went down. Camden Market was the kind of thing you'd see down there being sold on like a, a weird goth store. Yeah. <laughs> like those big things take over your whole finger and stuff like that, and you'd get that knife. I suppose they are kind of goth, aren't they? With their uh, yeah. synchronized axe clanking. Yeah, like you said, I like, love the random selection of people in that opening shot as well. It's like biker gang, fair enough. The big slasher dude, fair enough. Cops, um, yeah, okay. And then that weird guy who looks like an accountant who just wandered into the wrong place but just picked up a couple of axes and got involved. I said maybe they, they do explain why the reason that whole they're doing their thing, because otherwise it's completely pointless. It doesn't seem too religiously uh, driven. Just yeah. This. Okay, fair enough. It's just because, you know, nothing about that one guy in the suit just screams, you know. Yeah. He's, he's part of the strong. 
maybe you just went in there and like got caught up in the moment <laughs> yoga that night so oh that's on tuesdays should come join in this instead it's quite a laugh All perhaps right. it was the biker gangs that came to them yeah you know they'll do crime <laughs> they want their books in order yeah nobody wants the irs up their ass <laughs> they don't don't break one law while you're breaking another so we'll go around murdering people we don't bloody uh, break tax laws they just told him it's a weird like exercise thing <laughs> it was the 80s it's just like yeah clanking axes together seems as reasonable as anything else <laughs> going for this yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean i i kind of feel that slasher cop um nancy i think her name is doesn't really get a satisfying death no very forgettable uh, i'm trying to recall what it is now I've only watched it. Uh, i think she gets shot then she comes back and gets shot again okay it's yeah. um she seems more of a detestable character than the night stalker yeah i'm not i'm not you know pushing for violence against women but in this case fuck around it come and like i say she gets more character development than the night stalker does the night stalker like you say just seems he seems like the guy from um hot fuzz the yarp narp guy yeah yeah the hound that's it that's it the hound yeah Yeah. it blew my mind when i realized that that was the same guy it's, it's not real. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, that actor's got went on to do loads of other stuff. And yeah, he was in, was it season one or season two of Buffy? He was the big bad in that, wasn't he? Yes, I think it was season one. Yeah. He was the... A number of 80s action films. I, I don't think they really gave him too much to work with there. No, he kind of suffers a little bit from looking a little bit like Schwarzenegger. Like, you know, not as good looking as Schwarzenegger. Yeah, he kind of got he's, he's got a rougher face, but he's sort of got that the same sort of lips and jawline. He, so yeah, just... Needed a stronger look for the character. Like if you gave him an eye patch or this some defining feature for him, it, he looked just a bit too uh, generic. Okay. I, I found him creepiest when he was dressed as the janitor. I don't know if it was the Michael yeah. Myers vibes coming off him as well, but it was just something about him in that. In the old but, uh, flick flack. Yeah, I black will throw anyone off. <laughs> I mean, it worked for Clark Kent. So, well, they only uh, they didn't. No one knew him apart from Bridget Nielsen. Who he looked like he'd have just gone up as he was. And just what, what, what are you talking about? They had that awesome sketch. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> they didn't have his hair slicked back in sketch. Uh, that's true. See, there's one police officer who's been chatting up the night nurse. He looks like about 20 years a senior. Uh, that seems to be a common trope of kind of like the, the police officer. Yeah, yeah, it's like Exorcist Three's got a similar thing, isn't it? Of the uh, night nurse and the overfriendly cop. Maybe different uh, in the 1980s in Los Angeles, especially in the, uh, the nurses that you see kind of working over here in the NHS. I don't imagine the same scenario playing out. Like no, and I mean <laughs> probably good for them as they all tend to end up being murdered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but you know at least the night slasher gets a fairly decent death the the giant hook that you see in several shots finally comes into play like nobody could see it coming yeah he kind of get chained he gets uh leather face doesn't he that's, that's it gets that and then he gets shoved through like giant flame furnace thing or whatever they call this i mean i i've never really been in one of those places to know the technical terms for the equipment but i don't think uh the film's too heavy on puns, is it? 
no it sort of tries a little bit like you say with the uh you know i'll blow this whole place up go ahead i don't shop here and yeah weird little attempt but i think they mostly fall flat i think it's partly because stallone seems to mumble them i don't know if he's not comfortable with them because you kind of look a couple of years later he did tango and cash and he's great in tango and cash yeah i mean he comes he like comes across as a very intelligent guy and he knows what he's doing and knows what works and doesn't but at times like this missteps and maybe it was stallone doing all the kind of uh one-liners i mean in rambo one obviously that's a more of a straight film two is a bit more action the third is just a parody like yeah there's just puns all the way through that and just one-liners yeah he's a completely different character by the third yeah. film <laughs> almost not like the same it's just, uh, i mean there's a bit where he gets the whole blown through in him and like the general says oh uh we told you to uh, ignore pain doesn't work in not really <laughs> Because, I mean, you kind of think uh, Commando sort of is where I noticed the quip sort of coming in more. It was very much a Schwarzenegger thing, wasn't it? Yeah. And it, it feels a little bit like Stallone was embarrassed to say him, which is weird because he delivers them really well in later films. Yeah. He has some great ones in Demolition Man. And... Wasn't there a big thing? I don't know too much about the Jim Nelson Stallone. They were kind of vying for a week. Uh, it's kind of beyond me why. I She's not like got that much screen presence, in my opinion. Uh, she's not a particularly great actress. No, I mean I've, the only things I've really seen her in is this Red Sonia, which, yeah, and um, Beverly Hills Cop Two. Yeah, she's a great bad guy in Beverly Hills Cop Two. Yeah. Like, but that's just for her kind of like stature and frame. She's like a incredibly physically imposing person, and like when she's kind of against uh, the like, uh Eddie Murphy, there's a real kind of contrast there. It's yeah. really, really interesting visually. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Red Sonja is not some other one. Yeah, I remember sort of liking it as a kid in that way that you like any, if you're into fantasy movies like that, you kind of like any crap like that. Just like any old shit. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, despite you, people telling you that that's not Conan, well, no, it is. It's clearly Conan. Loincloth Schwarzenegger, Conan. Do you remember his name, the character's name? No. Not Conan. <laughs> so, yeah, sort of wrapping up this film, sort of ends with the, uh, he finally punches Monty in the face and tells him no hard feelings. And then you get the, <laughs> I love the thing where they say anything you need. He's like, I'd like to get my car fixed. I'm like, it's not in the budget. <laughs> it's like, well, why offer him anything he needs then? anything apart from that <laughs> to be fair like you're going to drive around in like a souped up muscle car get blown up that's on you surely well yeah I mean he largely instigated the rest of that chase so yeah <laughs> it's, it's interesting like when he's shooting the bikers and they're going down on the ground and it's like that's weird all the floor's wet <laughs> now it's dry <laughs> the stuntmen can go sliding along it that's been fucking vicious and yeah no it's like i'm pretty sure you can see the smashed up car that he was chasing when he crashes his car like whatever he crashes into it looks like the other car already crashed into it they must have done a reshoot yeah or just really bad continuity but i it's fun to do the nitpicky things but there's been so many tv programs where they're like oh look at the continuity mistake guy we're in a watching gladiator it's like fuck off yeah man like they said it's, it's amusing to do it every once in a while but when you do that the center the whole thing around it like 
there is that moving mistakes channel i can't bear it yeah that's i hate it. it's just nitpicking for the sake of nitpicking but it's purpose in there for the, the reason characters made that mistake because it's story it's not yeah <laughs> i say it just comes across as being dickish yeah exactly <laughs> i mean well we've all done that you know from creating comics the same that you know there's always something you miss yeah i mean i mean and that's you're just kind of one or two people putting together a comic there's hundreds of people working on these films and mistakes still go through it's just it's just one of those things yeah, but, uh, that's it it's just, but yeah and then like i say he nicks the motorbike which must have been one of the gangs so is surely evidence yeah i mean i, I doubt they'd have got it by legal means <laughs> it was him and ingrid just fuck off just, perhaps oh, that's how he got that apartment it was like somebody was killed and then he was just like i'm moving in fine now my apartment <laughs> So police work. <laughs> I said the old, they've kind of like you wouldn't stick around to sort of say, oh, perhaps we didn't get them all, or you have to start writing reports now. What happened, etc. Like it is a movie again. Yeah, it's just they ride off into the sunset and everything's great. That's did it. Find, did his mate come back? I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah. He yeah, does. he's getting loaded into an ambulance, isn't he? He gets the um, Dewey from Scream treatment. Yeah, he's kind of got the his affectation is like he eats junk food all the time. Yeah. What's he called? He says, oh, a fellow. Does he say junk belly or something? Yeah, something like that. When she's eating yeah. crap as well, and she... crap, and like she's she comes up and says, "Hey, do you want some of this?" and gives her some like American junk food out of a, probably like a Twinkie or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of like you're a model. I guess models kind of like oh, let's make sweeping statements. Eat shit and smoke cigarettes. But uh, <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I never do the state keep themselves in shape quite a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a refreshing thing to see rather than just, you know, constantly eating lettuce. But like I say, yeah. the, the biggest crime in this film is what she does to those fries. Oh, man. But totally. That could have been like the, the, the hottest person on earth. That's like, almost like a soulmate. I know. I'd have been like, the gang can have you. <laughs> this is the fucking deal breaker here. This is terrible. I was like, some people don't deserve to live. I'm sorry. Yeah. What is this? Awful. And you think, oh, like, you think she squirts a bit of sauce. And when I'm, I don't know if you've ever seen person listening, if you've not seen it, she squirts, like, one of those red bottles you get in a cafe. She squirts, like, the majority of that on it. And it's just like, ooh. And then it's, goes back and adds more. Pretty much empties yeah. the bottle into it. <laughs> it's grim. People were serving that. Like, mate, you got to pay extra for that. You just emptied the whole fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> It's a large family. You have a life preserver. What? Your French fries drowning there. What is this place? It's a Foundry town. Hmm. Tell me something. Do you ever let go? Really? So what do you do to relax? Look for trouble. No, I mean, do you ever get involved? 
nothing regular. Why? Well, let's just say that not many people could put up with the way I live. Well, what if you found one? That's the sequel. That's just that guy going around wanting vengeance because he cle- yeah. she cleaned him out of ketchup. Starts off with uh, Cabretti in court, <laughs> him going after her because he didn't pay all the sauce she used. <laughs> <laughs> sort of on sequels then, because I mean we sort of touched on it already, but. I think Stallone's idea was that this would be his third franchise because he had Rocky and he had Rambo. And I, I get the feeling he was building this up to be a franchise and it made a decent chunk of money Yeah. on the budget I, at the, for the time. Um, but I don't think there's the material here for it. This, yeah. I mean, you could have possibly, I suppose you could have had a diehard situation where you just start taking scripts that are meant for other things and shoehorning John McClane into them. Yeah. The Which is, thing is with Rocky and Rambo, uh, regardless of what they became, when they started out, they had something to say. Yeah. Like there's a point to like, you got the, the, the kind of the underdog boxer, like everyone can kind of relate to that. And you've got Rambo, the kind of the returning veteran who's kind of scorned by his country, kind of that whole sort of, what, what everything Rambo goes with this is just the kind of like a uh, cop who's got some weird affectations he goes around slaughtering people it's, it's, it's Paul Man's Dirty Harry at the end of the day isn't it it's, yeah big time it's because I mean like you say Rocky even though I'm not a fan of the films has got a great story at the centre of it yes, and a great yeah. character at the centre of it yeah. and even Rambo it's a bit like sort of thrown over to the ACP when you were talking to Mark Miller about the grizzled old guy who comes out of retirement. Rambo's got that little thing going for it as well. I mean, he's yeah. not a grizzled old guy, but yeah. it's a vet who sort of pushed to use his skills. Yeah, he's an absolute fucking, just a weapon, like trained to be an absolute weapon. And now he's in civilian life and he has no idea what to do. Yeah. He just can't adjust to it. And yeah, gets into trouble, vagrancy, and, and it all goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but, I don't think there's, I guess you could always do if you really pushed you could always get a sequel out of this yeah and like i say they could have potentially shoehorned i think the trouble is is that the following year lethal weapon came out and that was kind of set the benchmark for how cop movies were hence yeah. why you probably then did tango and cash so yeah. you had the buddy cop element in that i mean tango and cash i really didn't like it when i first saw it but now like it's kind of grown in me i quite like it but lethal weapon when you got like shane black right in it and yeah just, it became an absolute juggernaut and redefined how those kind of films were done yeah definitely like go back after that even through into the night it's rare you get a solo cop on his own kind of i mean this one you've got the thing with him and gonzalez but they're not a buddy cop system Uh, i mean i you you would expect gonzalez not to make it yeah and he does which is kind of like quite surprising i think he's quite a nice character for gonzalez he's not like a, a typical kind of person they, you know, they usually saddle the, the main hero up with yeah because they've, they've got a nice chemistry you believe there's a history between them they probably got yeah. the best chemistry in the film to be honest yeah there's there's, there's an uh, an equality between them as well they see themselves as similar stature yeah They're not like one's the ones above the other they kind of got res- mutual respect for one another and uh i think that's a kind of one of the things that i, I really like about it that relationship between the two and not 
oh, I'm Dirty Harry and here comes like the wet behind the ears rookie who's going to be saddled up with me for the film. That's it. Because again, I would have liked to have seen more of those two. Oh, yeah. So Stuff are... there. It's uh... No, you're right. He's very much set up as the um, Dermot Mulrooney. Is it Dermot Mulrooney in, in the line of fire? Who's there blatantly to be killed off to motivate uh, the hero. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, hats off to it for not doing that. I mean, they kind of do the thing where they're like, we don't really know what to do with him in the final act, so we'll just take him out. <laughs> yeah. It's the old X-Men problem, isn't it? It's like, we've got these cool characters, but we can't have them in the final act, so just kill them off now, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, after rewatching, I thought, does he punch the, the main guy? Well, that's going to be too on the nose, too. And then he does it, and I was like, okay. I thought you could have kind of sank a bit more clever in than that. Yeah. Because all the way through, he's accused into the loan of... Uh, Cabretti of being like really violent and stuff, and at the end he shows him he is and punches him. Is that what yeah, just saying no hard feelings. Yeah. Just it took me ages to place that guy. He was, he's the um, Scorpio killer in Dirty Harry. Yeah, he's also uh, Garak out of uh, Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Uh, he's the dad in Hellraiser. Yes, yeah, I haven't seen Hellraiser for years. I'm not a massive Hellraiser fan, I must admit. But well, that first film stands up apart from the lightning effects. They've got these kind of like lightning effects where the, the Cenobites come out of the puzzle box. That's right. Really nineties. It's really, really ages. But the rest of it, like the the physical, uh, the makeup effects, everything is absolutely spot on. It still holds yeah. up. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, it just wasn't my kind of horror film. But yeah, fair enough. I don't like those horror films where I can lie in bed at night thinking like. That shit could easily happen to me really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like the Clive Barker stuff when he kind of like it's just there's a bit more to it than just is a supernatural bad guy. I mean that like that's it. it's not just death, it's eternal damnation. It's like, that's even fucking worse. Not the bad guys in in they're not the bad guys. It's her uncle Frank. Yeah. Like, managed to escape. As he did that, I mean, man deserves a medal. <laughs> escape literal hell and come back and yeah that play <laughs> perhaps that's the sequel cobra versus hellraiser yeah <laughs> why not they're doing it with everything else <laughs> you see i mean there's it got adapted into an unofficial comic in hungary i think which somebody put a link there's a couple of things that claim they got a link to where you can read it online but when you go on them they're just dead websites Tony got me, uh, when he was in Angoulême, he got me uh, two issues of Cobra 2, which is like a, a fan-made small press sequel. That's fucking mental. It's just like it's, Cobra goes around like he's like a vigilante. He comes across a group of men about to rape a dog and he kills all them, and then the dog becomes a mate. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, guess. I don't think Stallone would be on board for that aspect of it. but Yeah. Fan. Although I don't know, because there's one bit when they're talking about the various victims of the Night Stalker, and one is a child that was raped Bloody hell, that's and then dark. murdered, and it's like, yeah. fuck, that's a dark thing to just throw away in a news briefing. Yeah, that's fucking dark. I know they're showing like that it's randomness of victims and crimes. I mean, if he's like killing a kid, they kill this, kill anyone. When you got like sexual assault, that's like, whoa, that like, I'm not saying killing's fun, but like in a film. Yeah, no. Like, that I mean, you can get over it if Facebook's a fine case in point that you can soon get over a child death as he films fun enough. 
because that yeah. film literally opens with a kid getting murdered yeah. which generally is one of my buttons for things i don't like in films but yeah just casually mention it as part of a news briefing I'm kind of like, uh, i thought we were gonna have fun guys <laughs> like whenever i'm kind of like you're watching one of those films and they have the aspect of like rape or sexual assault and it's like pretty fun anymore now it's like it's not very nice it's, it's just one of those things for me that once you, you do this, it's like, I don't really like this anymore. It's, yeah, it's yeah, it's a real thing for me. It's like one of the most disturbing things for me in one of the series of Line of Duty was when they all those good women realised that they're about to be put into a sex trafficking ring. Oh yeah, that's fucking. It's like hot. there's no rape in it, but just that scene has just haunted me forever. <laughs> Since I saw it, it's just horrible. Just the way they react when they realise the situation they've suddenly walked into. Damned, like terrific situation. I mean, one of the things that makes uh, Taken so good is that you, as the viewers, along with your with a father who's trying to rescue his daughter from being put into one of these sex trafficking and like the motivation for that, like fucking hell, like you know that as a person you'll move mountains for that to not happen. Yeah, and it's got the whole trope of the the old gunslinger who's out of top notch coming back into the work to rescue his daughter. It's got so many elements that are just right and rightly so the film is great and stands stands today as uh yeah, a, a great film. That's it, that's another example of one of those films that should have been a one and done. Yeah, it didn't need more. It's uh yeah, I mean I've still not seen the third one, I must admit the second one was enough. <laughs> Started watching the third one and then it was like, yeah, this is crap. Send it off. I, just, I, I feel we've said all we need to say with the taken verse. It was like in the second one, like they're trying to find. She's trying to. The daughter's trying to find out where her dad is. Oh, he's, dr- he's driving around throwing grenades or something. Yeah. <laughs> and because that's it, safe. I always I noticed when we first watch it, like they're the gang, all the people he killed in the first one, their families have all got together and said, right, this fucking guy's killed our family. We're going to go and kill him. So the scenario, they first meet him. He's got one of their guys hostages hostage and they shoot the, the, the gang shoot their own man that Liam Neeson's got hold as hostage it's like hold on this whole thing was because he's been killing your people and the moment you meet him you instantly kill one of your own people this doesn't it doesn't make any sense <laughs> it doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah it's, <coughs> it's a weird yeah. motivation um I've always wanted to see an action film where it's just kind of like, you know, all right, you want to go kill my family, that's cool, but have you seen those movies where the guy you think you killed comes back and takes out and ruins your whole life? Should we just call it quits and walk away? Because <laughs> it inevitably happens. Yeah, it always happens. <laughs> <laughs> sort, of, sort of ending this then, sort of on Cobra, the big question, is this a good film? Is this a good action film? Do you reckon? I, it falls in the middle for me but just tips over into watchable good like if this was on tv which i don't call it ever being on tv it must have been but it's not one of those ones where i was it's chuck norris with lone wolf afraid yeah come on every once in a while no harry would come on once in a while but this one i don't ever can't remember ever popping up it's it's worth a, it's worth a watch kind of like stallone in 1980s action cinema uh it's got some nice little uh, gags in it there and there but generally it's kind of a bit so-so uh, what do you say uh yeah no i'd agree I, the action's not quite actiony enough 
Um, if you took, you know, without looking, if you'd have told me this film came after Commando, because Commando sort of seemed to rewrite the rule book for action movies, in that it was kind of like, you know, the plot doesn't matter quite so much as having just explosions and gun chases, gunfights and car chases and that sort of shit. Um, it's a bit like what Fast and Furious did with like the modern action movie. So it doesn't need to make sense. Just go balls to the wall. Yeah. Fucking stupid. Yeah. I think, does he actually get injured at any point in the film? I know they have a bit of a dust up at the end, him and the Night Stalker, but there's no point where he gets like any kind of significant injury. No, I don't think so. He sat on an ambulance at the, or, you know, the seat of an ambulance at the end, I think. I might be wrong. But yeah, no, I don't think because usually they get like clipped in the shoulder or something, don't they? Yeah, that's that's the big, yeah. you know, I can carry on walking with a big hole in my shoulder. Yeah. But but yeah, no, I think it's if you switch your brain off and go in knowing that it is not going to make a lot of sense, and just go in looking for the like absurdities of it. Yeah, like cutting pizza with scissors, ripping a guy's shirt, take stopping for a swig of cause before you, you know, deal with the hostage situation. Yeah. Um I do like the whole thing in that where he's like, you killed a kid. It's like, when did he kill a kid? The only guy I saw him killed looked like he was about forty. Yeah, yeah blasting with that with a shotgun. It's it's, like, it's weird because like when he goes around I uh, know we're finishing up here, he goes around the supermarket and all the people just sort of stand in there frozen. Yeah. It's that one guy who's just cowered over by the open freezer door. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like all the open freezing doors are there, and it's like that. There's the, about two foot of dry ice on the floor. <laughs> yeah, because I I used to work in the freezer section of Tesco's. You do not get that amount of shit can pour out every time you open it up. Well, anyone who shopped in Tesco's will realise. But... Shame that'd be awesome. Even the big freezers at the back. You yeah, kind of you, think you're going to get your big running man moment, but <laughs> don't get them at all. It's just fucking cold in there. Because I thought at least I'll get the joy of that moment where I can step out of the smoke like I'm in Running Man, but no, nope. Nope. just freezing cold fucking fingers. And <laughs> I said, remember, but, like if you go in there, you had to put on one of the, like a, one of the big jackets to keep yourself insulated, and working you had to time limit. You couldn't work in there for low so long because like yeah, yeah, like, twenty minutes at max. One, yeah, I can remember working there over twenty minutes and just not thinking, you know, like kind of. I've just I've got no thoughts in my head it's completely and I so I had to come out and sort of warm up and then I sort of uh, I don't know if that makes sense it, uh, almost like, like shutting down in, in, in effect because it was so cold in there just, yeah you'd have to pull everything out to get to the one thing you need at the back and the 20 minute rule quickly goes out when they got you up against it yeah you just like, got to start I don't give a fuck you need to count everything in there it's yeah. Like, yeah right but like, I don't I mean, care the stock <laughs> like, moving boxes around is fine because you're kind of getting nice and warm but when you're like right you've got to count this how much we've got this how much of that and you're like this is horrible <laughs> it's horrible i don't miss doing that job at all you're just like audrey in um national lampoons where your eyeballs are, your eyes are frozen open <laughs> <laughs> well i won't waste any time you know almost every sicko in this city shake them down do what you have to do to get a lead on this maniac if i find him do what you do best and try not to waste the wrong guy, huh? But then again, what do you care, right? You know, when this is over, I like to celebrate by punching a hole in Monty's chest. You know what the trouble with you is? You're too violent. Me? 
It's all that sugar you're eating. It's all this that junk food. I had all it's day. all that junk food you're swallowing. Oh, shit. Try prunes, something natural. Prunes? Raisins. Try fish. Fish yeah. and rice. Very yeah. good. Yeah, so in, in Roundup, like Cobra, yeah, give it a go. I, I don't yeah. say, you're not going to get blown away. It, it occasionally pops up on, like, great movies or Sony movies or whatever it is on the lower end of the Sky Movie channels, the free ones. Um, but, yeah, or, like I say, you can get it in a Stallone box set for about 15 quid, which isn't bad for six films, even if a couple of them are questionable. Um, but, yeah, so sort of on Cobra then and... Uh, your own work with Viper and the like. Um, how's things going with Vanguard? What? Vanguard and Viper are doing well. I mean, I'm coming working on issue 20 of Vanguard, and I think it's going to wrap up with 23 or 24, depending on how big it kind of gets. But, that's been yeah. an insane journey, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been doing that for a bloody long time now. Because really for people who don't know, it's a it's weekly. It goes up, isn't it? Or, yeah, I try yeah. and do two pages a week. Two pages a week. That's it. About 10, 15 years. So and then, great. yeah, you started collecting them into books, didn't you? Which was... Yeah, I think you said we're going to finish in about book five. So that's a nice nice number to end on. Yeah. And, uh, there was always this ending when I first started. Like, this is the ending I saw. It's changed a bit, but like, I thought, right, this is the end of the story. I'm going to keep working towards this. And we're getting right on it now. So there's not too much to play out yeah but hopefully going to be de- delivering that big uh big ending that uh, everyone's hopefully i've worked for and and the, the readers will enjoy so, yeah i think i think knowing even like you say even though it'll generally mold slightly differently as the story develops but having an ending in mind you can always tell when a long-running series has just pulled an ending out of its ass yeah not satisfying at all uh, I mean, endings by their very nature can be fairly unsatisfying anyway, because even if it's got a perfect wrap-up, there's the unsatisfying thing of, like, I didn't want it to end. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, that, and that's the dangerous, like, continuing it or trying something else, and it's like, you can never match up. Sometimes you just got to walk away at the peak. That's yeah. That's it. That's it. It's, it's the Calvin and Hobbes thing, isn't it? Yeah, just finish on the peak, and then, like, that's it. It's, it's if I start doing any more of it, it's going to go downhill. It won't be as good. It'll mire the rest of it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you want it to end on something people are going to remember. So, Same with the film, and that's why the, the final shot's always the key thing. With Viper, you probably heard, like, uh, Viper's a like, homage to kind of films like Cobra and all 80s action films, stuff like uh, Street Hawk and Night Rider. I was working on the sequel, uh, and it set with the... the Russians being the bad guy, obviously what's happening, yeah. we had to push it back. I think once this issue of Vanguard's done, which I'm near the end of, uh, I'm going to finish it up and then put it on Kickstarter and work around it. Yeah, yeah, I am saying there were a couple of films in the lineup for this when we were doing the 80s movies, 80s, 90s action movies, where I was kind of like, kind of the rush, because we had um, Red Dawn and Peacemaker yeah. on the long yeah. on the long list and it's kind of the, the russian factor in that's just a bit rambo two and three i mean there uh, i mean red dawn is like a very tricky to talk about with what's going on at the moment yeah a literal russian invasion yeah <laughs> and just with generally what's going on in america as well it's because <laughs> it's, it's a very reagan era action movie in that it's 
I really like that film. I do. Uh, it's I mean, and switch off message. to the general overtones of politics in it, and it's just yeah. <laughs> just enjoy it for what it is. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's Russia like invades a small town. Yeah, they're like, uh, he's like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I'm just all I'm all used up. This is like that's such a great line because these kids have been fighting this war like a year or so, and he's this this one guy's just got he's done, man. Yeah. Run out. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's a, uh, yeah, like I say, it's a great movie. It's just wrong climate for it. But yeah, but yeah no, because you had Viper 2 ready to go, didn't you, pretty much? It was ready to go on Kickstarter like, and then... Yeah, 90% there, but like someone said, why don't you retool it and do like a, a, a different, like a made-up nation? But I can't, I can't really, there's so many references to it throughout. I'd have to retool the <laughs> I was going to say, why don't you just go back and redraw the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, it's called Soviet Strike, like Viper <laughs> Strike. I can't, I can't re- redo it. It's going to have to just go out as is. And but it's, 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 let's uh, face it, the state of the world today, you could retool it for something else and then they'd go to war with somebody. Yeah, like, fuck's sake. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> all this is fiction and uh, it, it doesn't kind of, it doesn't make any kind of political commentary. Uh, it makes it about as much political commentary as Rambo 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, no fear. Don't worry about that. Unless yeah, you just go through and do like a weird TV deep. edit on it where you just put like really bad edited words yeah. over it. And instead of Russia, it's like, you know, <laughs> whales. Is it, uh, you, no, not license, not license, the other thing, Living Daylights. That's got a message to uh, brave people in Afghanistan. Yeah, that's, yeah, because it's essentially the guy who, who, you know, they became the Taliban, didn't they? Yeah, they became Taliban. So I, I love Living Daylights, but that's the one element of it that you're kind of like, ooh. It's kind of, no, we, they, we were kind of friendly with them at the time. It's weird. We were giving money for them to fight the Russians. And then That's it. When they left, actually, we can use it. To... <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> but, but yeah, that's that's kind of the trouble when Bond went sort of political. <laughs> yeah, someone was, I was talking to someone the other day and they were kind of like, Bond used to be something you could watch with the entire family. It's, it got darker and darker. And I quite like the Daniel Craig stuff. Not all of it, but like there's some of that stuff. Like, you can show that as put it on the bank holiday Monday in the afternoon. No, I mean, I, I like the Daniel Craig stuff, but it's not got the rewatchable factor that like, you know, the Moors, Connery's, Brosnan's. Brosnan's aren't particularly my favorite ones, but they're incredibly rewatchable. GoldenEye is great. That's really it's fantastic. That's one of my favorites. But it's always the initial one, like Casino Royale. I really enjoy it. I find Quantum of the Solace is pretty dreck. Not a fan of that. Really forgettable. But like, yeah. to me, Skyfall was like, it felt like the last Bond film. It felt like the, the, when that finishes, like that's the end of the franchise then. You don't need to say any more about Bond. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I'm not a massive fan of Skyfall. I, I like it. It's a very well-made film. It's just, yeah. there's elements of it that leave me cold. But I do agree that it does kind of end. It's a bit like um, License to Kill. It's yeah. got an ending that you feel like if they never made another one after that, I'm quite satisfied with how this one ends. Yeah. Winking like, fish aside. Yeah, this is the end of uh, James Bond's path here. He's just like, bad enough this. This is just the end of it now. So, uh, and then they went on to like the, the substandard Spectre, which is just like, is he not learning any lessons from every other film we've made? Because this is terrible. <laughs> you would have thought with that one, if one thing you would do is you would not 
Austin Powers it and make them related. Just at no point in any production meeting did anybody go, this whole Blofeld bond being adopted brothers. um, Anybody watch Goldmember? Yeah, it's absolutely (laughs) terrible idea. Awful. It's just, it was so unnecessary. I get that they were trying to build, like, you know, a contained story within it. But it's just, yeah. So they do the thing is built where they have the, the the drill into his skull or whatever it is, and they said this will take part, take away. It kind of like hints at that whole Bond thing is like he doesn't really give a shit about the women he sleeps with. Yeah. And they don't ever resolve that to say if that actually happened or not. And it's like that's not really a good thing to have hanging over your your main character's head. <laughs> the fact that they're completely almost emotionless now towards the women in their lives, the people is is very odd one. Uh, yeah, it's. It's just, yeah, it's quite a long, tedious film. <laughs> yeah. I really liked it the first time I saw it at the cinema because the gun barrel was finally back at the opening of the film. It was slightly different, but it was back. I was like, fucking finally. I, like, I don't care. It could be two hours of blank screen now. I'm happy. <laughs> but, but, yeah, Dave, if you want to find out that when me, that when Viper 2 launches and all that Vanguard, uh, should I do the social media links? Yeah, I was going to say, where can people find you online? Yeah. And obviously, where can they read Vanguard? You can uh, find me on Twitter at Vanguard Comic and find out all the stuff about Vanguard and five behind the scenes. And that's patreon.com forward slash Vanguard Comic. And you can read Vanguard completely for free at Vanguard Comic. 20 issues up there. Go. Cool. And I'll put all the links in the show notes. And obviously, you're on the ACP every week. Yes, lest we forget. I'm uh, one of three hosts on the Awesome Comic Podcast. And uh, you had a pretty epic interview with Mark Miller recently as well. Yeah, uh, Miller Watch finally ended. Yeah, after many, many days, many, many years. So uh, we're on Miller Watch 2 now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited about that King of Spies to see if it uh, comes into a Netflix TV series, which I think it will be. Yeah, I must admit, I love listening to Mark Miller talk. I'm hit and miss on his comics. Yeah, some of them I really like. Some of them I think he does the shocking for the sake of being shocking rather than it. I Kick mean, ass two in particular. Yeah. Me, I don't really like it. Yeah, but way over the fucking line. Yeah, like I can see in the films, they sort of dial back some of the stuff he does. Yeah, I mean they kind of had to. Yeah, when talking to him and like listening to what he said, it's just like, man, this fucking. I just want to spend more time talking to Mark and being a part of the world he's he's got around him. Yeah, because he they he used to pop up on Newsnight Review every so often when they'd either have a comic book movie or they'd be doing a little segment on comics. He's very much talks about comics the same way Stan Lee did. Doesn't yeah. have the necessarily the you know character and bravado of Stan Lee, but that's a good thing. Yeah, I think. I um, yeah, I just again I like listening to people who are passionate about comics and know what they're talking about, advocating so, uh, for them. And the more we had uh, Des Skin on recently uh, on the last episode. Yeah, that was one that dropped today as we we're recording, wasn't it? I've got that to yeah. listen to tomorrow. Like um, gold mine of anecdotes and stories about uh marvel hey i think we're going to do at least another one maybe another two because i think you barely scratch the surface on how much that man knows but yeah I'd, I'd love to have been in fly on the wall in those offices in the heyday when they had their own offices in london in the 80s he's got some stories about hammer in the market awesome they were just like man that's fucking nuts <laughs> so yeah <laughs> I'll, again i'll put a link to that episode in the show notes as well and i'll put a link to the whole podcast but yes 
Um, but yeah, no, like I say, if you've even got a passing interest in comics, it's well worth checking out. Okay. Um, like I say, the Miller episode was really good, and they, I mean they're all really good. Manga Month was really good as well. I'm not particularly, I'm hit and miss on manga, but I really enjoyed listening to you guys talk about it. So yeah, like I said, I've, it was a kind of an eyes open moment because I very much thought manga was one thing, and then actually when you get into it, it's like someone just saying, "Oh, comics are for kids," don't they? It's like that's such a sweeping statement that. <laughs> it's ridiculous and for me to have similar feelings about manga before i start getting into it is equally ridiculous yeah i mean it largely dominates the comic shelves in waterstones and that now doesn't it it's i think it's not so much that manga's dominated that rather than uh western comics fallen Uh, yeah well yeah there's that as well talked about it before about how difficult it is to get reprints of certain comics yeah collected in trades it's like the amount that you have to go fishing around on eBay to buy second hand. It's like, this should always be in print. Yeah, it should always be in print. That's a story for another time, I guess. Yeah, it is. But, but you yeah, know, cheers for doing this, man. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, I'd love talking about uh, stuff like this. <laughs> and baby. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cheers, man. Take care. And you, bye. I'll give you a lift. No, I got my own transportation, thanks. You ready? I'm ready, Marion. Catchy name, is it? Cobra, and why not? I'd like to thank Dan for joining me on this episode to talk about the film. Be sure to check out Vanguard online or by checking the links in our show notes. If you enjoyed this episode and can be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. I might not give the series a follow or a subscribe over on Acast or wherever you listen to the episodes. Or don't, it's up to you. If you missed the Lethal Weapon episode or the Beverly Hills Cop episode or any And Why Not episode so far, you can find them on our podcast channel over on Acast or on our website at hauntednerds.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you like looking at lists, we have an And Why Not list over on Letterboxd as well. Join us back here next week when I'll be joined by Stacey Taylor to discuss Commando. But until then, this has been a Nerds Who Haunt Themselves production and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening and remember, if you're too violent, try eating some prunes. Bye for now. Jump ready. Do you know you have an attitude problem? Yeah, but it's just a little one.